0: We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello, and welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you the joy, humanity, and heartbreak in this week of sport. Hello, Georgie. Hello, Libby. How are you? You've had a bit of a crummy
1: weekend. I mean, it's certainly Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we have uh, a split chin, and someone has COVID in our house. The COVID. It's still a thing. I thought that we'd just moved on, but we haven't. It's, the wave is coming. Mm. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. 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 <laughs> we all thought we were over it, but it's still around, turns out. And yeah. we also had your husband's 40th birthday on the weekend.
0: Yes. Which was excellent fun. It was, it was very silly. Everyone dressed up in the theme of L. You came as a Lego block. Yep. Which I very much appreciated.
1: Yeah. Kimmy, Ben and I dressed up as Lego blocks. We were very primary colours and into... You were primary colours. Mm. Yeah. Nailed it. Mm. I dressed
0: up as Luke <laughs> which was I thought hilarious until nobody got it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know and, and there everyone is no- just thought I was wearing crummy clothes.
1: <laughs> There's nothing worse than thinking you've nailed a dress up and then you get there and everyone gives you that look of
0: hmm, what is that? Who are you? Yeah, I try- like guess. Did you
1: actually try?
0: Yeah, why are you wearing such weird clothes?
1: <laughs> so anyway, halfway through I changed into a dress, which was great. But the reason you did that is because Luke has an amazing ability to wear clothes that really should have been thrown out 10 years ago.
0: Correct. So the the clothes that I wore were a T-shirt and a set of shoes that are still currently in his rotation, which should have been thrown out about, oh, I would say, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, the shoes no longer have a sole they have been glued back together (coughs) and the t-shirt that I wore looked like it was easy access for breastfeeding (laughs) because you can just literally see your nipples it was a lot I did not have my nipples exposed thank god I mean family function but again that's why I got changed because I start to feel
1: very
2: uncomfortable
1: (laughs) I don't know how he wears that around. Oh, so gross! The trick is that when you see that coming through the laundry, when he's not looking, it just goes straight to the bin. I know, but I've I have thrown out
0: shoes of his in the past, and I don't hear the end of it. It's yeah. Well, you just got to do it. Like, <laughs> you just got to do just
1: it. Got to get rid of that. I want to tell you. Uh, I went for a run on Sunday morning, mm. which I was quite excited about because I rolled my ankle. About. 10 days ago and I haven't been running. But apparently part of good rehab for ankles is to actually use them. To do the thing. To do the things, which I was excited about. So I got back running. I was trotting along my most flat part of my run that I can find. And I ran into Kobe Walker. Oh, Who is a state champion, middle distance cross-country runner. Did you try and keep up with her? Well, so... (laughs) So I said to Kobe, "Oh, like let's just plod along for a bit." Or we were talking, so we just sort of, I guess, adjusted both of our tempos to match. You, you started running very fast, which she really slowed down. <laughs> so she slowed down. I had thought I was going quite fast. Like in I t- yesterday, I was like, "Gee, I'm running nicely." Like I feel like I've got a good pace in my almost head. Like tapered. I felt like yeah, I had almost. I felt like I was like, you know, what would just. Stenson look like if she was running and exactly I felt like, fast yeah I was only doing six minute case but that felt like lightning speed amazing by comparison to what I'd normally run at and then I get to Kobe and she slows down and I adjust to her pace which is me then running really quickly and after about two minutes I just had to say Kobe you go on <laughs> go on I without don't, me Kobe. I don't want to hold you back <laughs> 'Cause she's just like springing almost on the spot as I'm like, oh, I can't run any faster. And I looked at my I looked at my watch afterwards. We'd been doing four minute thirty-three Ks. Wow. For like three or four minutes. And she ran off into the distance and I made sure she couldn't see me. And then I walked for like three or four minutes, just
2: going,
1: oh, trying to catch
0: her breath. Just like, wow. This is a lot. And she's like, she's amazing.
1: She's what, 15? 15 or 16. And state level. It was so, yeah, It she is a beautiful runner to watch. Yep. And it, you, you do watch runners like that and think, imagine if I could actually run like that. I mean, there's no. And then you go,
0: what does like a Jess Stenson, Eloise Wellings, and then on top of that, then like an Eliard... Kapo- Kapo-ji? 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 Oh, I'm going to pronounce that wrong. But the world record holder for the men's marathon. How fast are they running? Well,
1: isn't it like three minute sub, K's? It's sub three minute K's. For 42 kilometres. Can I, mean, I can't even do sub three minute K's for like a <laughs> One off. Interval training. No, too hard. Unbelievable. I also watched a lot of sport over the weekend. There was a lot on. There was, there was, again, there's just so many World Cups in different formats happening The thing that really caught my attention was the Rugby Union World Cup that happened at Eden Park in New Zealand. Yes. And the Black Ferns beat England in a really close match in front of 45,000 people. Wow. And the mood, the atmosphere was just electric. And at the end… Turns out England can't win at Eden Park either. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, you're learning. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, At the end, the captain got up there and she… She sort of started singing a song. It must be um, something that's quite, I don't know, important in New Zealand. I'd never heard this song before, but the whole stadium sung it back to her. Wow! And then there were images of people in the crowd doing the haka, doing a haka or a form of the haka and just absolute celebration. And it's quite unusual for a host country to win a World Cup. Like you almost have – you're almost jinxing yourself – when well you host it's, a, world it's cup.
0: a remarkable amount of pressure and expectation mm. that 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 country would be carrying not only hosting the the world cup but then the expectation that you might win especially new zealand like they the both the men's and the women's team are so oh, they are dominant
1: force. an absolute force did you watch any of the pakistan versus england cricket match i didn't but i know the outcome mm. it was it was gee, it was close until the last couple of overs Pakistan was really in the match and then they lost their key bowler, Afridi, to an injury. He took I an know. amazing catch, diving catch, did something to his knee or pulled a muscle and then he was out. And then they sort of just lost their momentum. Oh, no. So England are now considered the white ball kings. Yes, I read that, mm. which is really cool.
0: So, yeah. So that means that they've won the one-day internationals internationals, and they've won the T20 World yep. Cup. So
1: It's quite a unique position they find themselves well, in. Well,
0: I don't know that it's happened before.
1: Probably not. We'll just go. Not, yeah,
0: don't Let's, don't fact check us. Not. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it has, so it has prefer- happened, it's yeah. like once before. Whatever.
1: Rugby League World Cup. Yes, for the women's, they're up to the semi-finals. So the Australians, the Jillaroos, are going to play PNG on Tuesday, Ooh. and New Zealand's going to play England. And that Aussie PNG match will be absolutely fascinating because in PNG rugby league is like a religion. Oh, it's. Huge! It's it's beautiful how much they love this game, mm. and they are so excited about this match that's coming up. And it's a big step forward for PNG, who haven't always necessarily been supportive of females playing oh, like rugby league. So it's been there's been a bit of a a turnaround, I guess, culturally in the acceptance of women playing. So for them well, to make done amazingly well. well, and for them to get through to the semi-finals, I think will only lift the game up. Yeah. For women in that country, which is really cool. And then the Aussies are going to be playing Samoa. Oh, wow. In the finals. Oh, wow. They beat England in the semis. Interesting. Which was a bit of an upset. Yeah, that's massive. Mm. Because
0: England would be one of the top ones, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah. I think we get a lot of English players coming out to play NRL. Yeah. And then they go back and represent. Australia is considered the... Leading sport, right? Yeah. Like the, the home country, sorry. The home. But uh, these World Cups are really good at seeding the game in other places. Like we were talking about Greece last week. Greece. Who would have Amazingly thought? Amazingly passionate if about if rugby you want to hear more about it, you need to go back to last
0: week's episode.
1: But they essentially were like a renegade outfit. Yeah. Trying to get through to the World Cup. So it's, it's definitely could be made into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it will be. <laughs> the Wallabies lost by a point to Italy. Yeah. Gosh, the Wallabies? I feel like they need Matthew Hayden, who has coached the Pakistan cricket team or mentored them so beautifully. I think we need to get in there. No, we don't. (laughs) We don't know anything about Rugby Union. What
0: do you need to know? They don't know anything about Rugby Union. No, they do. do,
1: They do. (laughs) I'm so mean, but like seriously. What's going on? I don't know. It's the first time I think Italy's beat us in.
0: Decades. I feel like they just need two strong women to go in there and just ruffle some feathers. Well, make your bed. <laughs> make your bed. Get Pull some your discipline. socks up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know that's gonna work. Come on, Libby. fellas. No, let's I think you I think it's the, I mean look, it there's could a cultural be Matt Hayden piece. or it could be us. <laughs> I mean uh, Matt Hayden doesn't pay rugby union either, but we should try and talk to somebody in rugby union about what's going on in that culture because obviously something's going on, guys. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes, sports just go through a dip. I feel like well, the Wallabies it, have been in quite a dip. Yes. That's, like that's, a deep valley at the moment. Just, in <laughs> the depths. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help? Come on, guys. Yeah, the poor Wallabies. Uh, I think they're okay. <laughs> excitingly, yes. the Matildas beat Sweden. Yes. In uh, a match that was held in Melbourne. There were some really cool facts that came out of this. 22,000 people... Went and watched the Matildas play Sweden. Amazing. Which and it's interesting because when Australia's T Twenty team played Afghanistan, we only had eighteen thousand oh, people wow. who watched that match. So the Matildas, as a brand, mm. are really coming up there and starting to compete with men's sport. Do you think that's because of the the World Cup that's yes. next year? And I think that also. I listened to the CEO of Football Australia talking to Tracy. Holmes, on Mm. the ticket, which is a really fascinating podcast that she puts out every week. It's quite a long-form interview podcast. And he was saying that as a brand, the Matildas are now almost more popular than the Wallabies. Wow. I mean, (laughs) so they're almost a brand that's more recognisable, resonating better with the public than the Wallabies. Mm. And their sponsorship choices have been really interesting. So Lego is now a major sponsor. The Matildas. Of the Matildas, cool, and they're really thinking about their grassroots investment and bringing kids along. So they're not just going for
0: you know the fossil fuels and the gambling and
1: yes or yeah betting. They're, they're alcohol. They're quite conscious of who their sponsors are, and there are sponsors out there. But how nice and refreshing is that? Yeah, it is. An, like rather an than inter- just
0: taking money from whoever will give them money,
1: and it's heartening that they're looking at all this in the lead-up to a World Cup, that they're going to um, really make the most of that opportunity of having that sport, that world-class event in our country. Awesome. Go Matildas. Okay. We need to talk to Millie Boyle.
0: Yes. Can you give us a lowdown of of what's been happening in NRLW?
1: Earlier this week, some of the players – from NRL and NRLW have um, spoken out about the difficulty they're having in collective bargaining Mm. with the NRL in terms of players contract minimum wage and I guess specifically to the women's game policies around pregnancy and what dates around seasons Mm. so it's a similar issue to what the AFLW had this year where There was quite a bit of uncertainty around when the season would happen and what the pre-season would look like. And I guess it's an issue that's more specific to women's sport than men, because in women's sport, these sports are still semi-professional. They're not being paid enough that it could be their full-time job. Yeah. So they're still needing to plan their sport around their work. Yeah. Responsibilities. So many of these people... They might own small business businesses, they might have a couple of jobs, they might be studying. They might have young families. They're trying to organise their lives and when you don't have dates or an understanding of what you'll be paid, that becomes quite difficult. This might be a really stupid question, but I'm going to ask it. It is the place for <laughs> such questions. <laughs> this is what we do. Collective bargaining, what is that as a thing? It's where you come together as a group yep. and you negotiate with your employer. Okay. So there's a Rugby League Players Association who would represent the players, I believe, both male and female and who would be talking to the Rugby League or the NRL about what their players would like. Okay. And you, you negotiate this to and fro. So it's something you see in any unionised work environment. But part of it is really important to set a minimum wage and a mm. minimum expectation around what your employment would look like. And do we know why this has happened now? Like what? I think that's something we need to put to To Millie Millie. as a player that's involved. So Millie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. We were really interested in the post you put up this week about what's going on with collective bargaining in the NRL and the NRLW. As
2: someone yes. who's
1: involved in the game, and actually you're, you're a co-captain for the Newcastle Knights, who won the premiership last year, congratulations! Thank you very much. Can
2: you tell us a bit about what's going on? Yeah, so it's a little bit hard to understand if you, I guess, aren't in the thick of it. But pretty much for the past four years, since the NRLW started, girls have only been on contracts that just covers their playing period, which we don't play for that long. We play for, say, as a, seven week comp and then we've got our final so we're only covered for our pre-season and our planning period. Uh, the new CBA was supposed to include us and our, our thoughts and our opinions on on what should kind of take place um, for the next CBA so that we could get a longer pre-season, a longer season, kind of have our own input on it and uh, they've kind of gone ahead and, and made all of these decisions without us Um, which really puts a lot of us in the dark on, you know, when we start training, when we start playing, Um, we're all off contract. We don't even have contracts because our contract only went for, you know, covered that three-month period. So when you hear about, you know, people signing multi-year deals, it just doesn't happen in the women's game and that's what we eventually want to get it to.
0: How stressful is that for for you in terms of not only – you know, planning your life (laughs) because obviously (laughs) uh, the women are, for the most part, still only semi-professional and you all have jobs and and lives to organise. But like in terms of being an athlete, how does that impact your preparation for the season and, you know, how to get your mind into the games when you don't even have a contract at this stage?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very tough and it's tougher for some people if they're not too sure where they're going to play, um, which obviously I guess is all of us, but if there's, if there's clubs that want to sign you and you don't live near, you've got to move to that area, obviously, and you, to train and to play. So if you're living in Brisbane, for instance, and you're about to play for... Saint George or Dragon you know you don't know when you're moving when the season's starting if you've got a job up in Brisbane how are you going to you know let them know when you're coming back mm. or if you're coming back and when you need time off or if you're going to have a job down in in Wollongong so it is very tricky because you don't know where you're going to play we don't we don't move full time for these contracts we mm. just move for the period um, that that you're playing. So for those people that don't know that, you know, it's it's very tough. And some people have children. Some people have uh, different ties that they can't really move as much, so that limits their opportunity as well.
1: Is there any indication as to why these discussions have moved on without the input of the players?
2: Um, it's it's very hard. It's hard to say, I guess. Uh, we've got the RLPA, which is our our players' union that. Um, speak on our behalf to the NRL on, on on negotiations and what we want, but I guess it's just them not really coming to the table and listening to the the individuals' needs and wants, and, and purely just doing it from a business standpoint. I I'm not too sure, but it, you know it's hard to say. But yeah, it's very tricky. Do you find it frustrating
0: <laughs> because you know obviously you're just wanting some clarity. I mean, all of the players would just want some clarity around you know, where they're going to be and and how to prepare. But, you know, I feel like, you know, NRLW has come on in leaps and bounds in popularity. There's so much support uh, for women's sport in general in Australia now. It's really having a moment. It's really having a moment. So it must be frustrating when you're like, look at what we can offer and look at, you know, how popular we are now and yet you're not getting the audience to
2: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and we want to, we we grow the game as much as we can and we're always, you know, talking about the game in a positive light and how how much it's done for us and how far it has come. But, you know, we want to be that gold standard with the other sports Mm. that are growing in leaps and bounds to show that, you know, young kids, young girls wanting to play rugby league, whether that's actually something that can be sustainable and where they're going to be supported throughout their careers. You know, who's to say, you know, if you're looking at the AFLW or NRW or... Um, whether that's soccer or netball, whatever it is, you know, you want to look to a team or an organisation that has strong foundations that mm. are really for the playing group um, and that's something that we really want to be and it is hard because it's hard to speak up about it as well and yeah. um, not only for the women but the men, you know, they're getting almost shot down when they're saying something and, and little things are being grabbed from a, a big quote, you know, a, yeah. a quote yeah, that's taken out of from a big story that's being taken out of context exactly yeah, it is very hard because you don't want to seem like you're whinging or you're taking things for granted. But it's you know if you don't do it, then we're going to miss the boat for the next five years of the CBA. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to get everyone on that same boat. You know, as females, especially, we feel very grateful that we're here where we are. We've made such good progress, so we should just be happy with that. But it's like, hey, why should we settle with that mm. when we actually could be? something bigger and we could be better and you know we've got four more teams coming into our competition next year that's so much growth for our game once again that's the competition almost doubling so if you think of all of the girls that that's going to provide an opportunity with in regional areas and all across Australia like it, it's very exciting.
1: Do you guys uh, are you bargaining I mean a collective bargaining is by its very nature bargaining as a group and is it as a collective as a collective but is it the case that the men and the women are bargaining together or there's two separate approaches being taken to this conversation
2: yeah it is separate they might be bargaining for say for instance development players who have to work full-time as well as train full-time and they're on minimum wage so to try and balance all of that is You know, crazy. So they're trying to um, lift the minimum wage there. For the females, what we're trying to do is it's not only uh, the terms and conditions around the salary, but it's, you know, our length of season, um, our length of pre season. They're trying to limit that to a really short amount of time, which doesn't give you enough time to prepare for a new team. And
1: Um, I imagine that doesn't help with injuries either.
2: No, yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, girls, if you're off contract for, However long you might go and play another sport, mm. or you're you could be doing something else, and then you're actually not on contract to help with your your rehab and to get back into playing NRL NRLW. So yeah, there's all things around minimum wage, pregnancy policy, current players that are over at the World Cup. If they get injured, they're all off contract. Um, whether they pick up another contract or whether they'd have to miss this one and wait for the next year, depending on how bad it is. So yeah, it's it, there's a lot going on, and it's just a to try and uh, get everyone on the same page, I guess. I think that
0: is an interesting part of the conversation though because you say the the CBA goes for about five years, Was that right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as women, a lot changes in five years in terms of, <laughs> you know, family and wanting to plan, you know, for, for yeah. having kids and things like that. So it's really important yeah. to have a pregnancy policy in place because then that allows women to have a bit more again clarity around when they might be able to fit this and you know as much as you can fit in a family around sport absolutely you don't
2: want to you don't want to deter from starting a family um you know we don't have the luxury of being able to do both as males do but you know you don't want to deter people from not being able to do that just so they can play sports so Mm. you know we had um Shanice Parker play in our team so they're For the night she's actually over at the world cup playing for uh new zealand at the moment and she came back and and was playing seven months after having her baby which is just amazing she had great support around her and you know always brought her little boy jacari to training and you know we'd have people that would look after him all the time while she was training and they're amazing stories to see you know that um she was so fortunate enough to be playing so soon after having a baby but You know, if there are people that are struggling that need more help and more assistance or, you know, we need to showcase those stories more so that we can get people up to that level as well, I guess. And I think that allows women
0: to continue to play sport at a high level and it shouldn't be the exception, like it should be the rule. There just should be a blanket rule in place to help support women, female athletes at all levels.
2: Absolutely, yeah, for sure.
1: Millie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. It's been really interesting to understand the context of what's going on and I think to me what it sounds like is that NRL and 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 no doubt some of the other sports as well are at, are at this point where they're trying to understand how they professionalize mm. women's sport and how they put all the structures in place and I think it's brilliant yeah. that you uh, as a group are standing up and saying this doesn't work for us you need to be across pregnancy you need to be across time frames we need more information and you're doing that now and it's going to benefit the players that come in the future yep. it's so hard for you at, at this point but the work you're doing will have such a big impact on the next generation
2: of NRLW players thank you thank you very much I really appreciate you guys taking time to chat
0: no she's so lovely
1: <laughs> it's a big it's a big ask to stand up and talk on behalf of your fellow players about what's going on and to and particularly to talk to up against a big organisation and to do it in a way that's productive and not antagonistic. It's such a fine line and I think they're doing it really well.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think Millie particularly is just a great ambassador for NRLW because she just, she's like, you know, NRLW has given me so much opportunity. She loves playing and representing the teams that she plays for and but <laughs> we also can require something more and we deserve it because they are the ambassadors of the sport. They are the ones that are growing its popularity. Like that
1: without the players the the sport isn't there. And it's this architecture that we have to get right now. And it, it, it there are going to be growing pains in and compromises and all
0: of those sorts of things but
1: we need to be able to look at it and have that constructive conversation as you said and it's not just happening in nrlw this is a similar conversation that's been going on in aflw and also in netball particularly around pregnancy contracts because netball super um, netball teams only can only contract a, a set number of players and then if you become pregnant you're taking up one of the contracts for that team Mm. so we have to start building capacity into these teams so that pregnancy is not this big issue because it's not an issue no i mean it's like any
0: organization that has women who go on maternity leave right it's like like we're so far behind that mm. in sport Mm. and we just need to be able to have that conversation and put into place certain parameters and have some flexibility as well because that you know as we all know it can be Uh, hard journey it could be an easy journey it could be a complicated journey for lots of different people for lots of different reasons
1: and the more you get good sponsors on board the more you can establish this architecture early on yes that's so That it's the getting the funding in place now and being an early funder of women's sport I think will be a great brand strategy oh 100%
0: I feel like we're going to have this conversation a lot more
1: in a good way. It's oh, good that we're in having them. a good them. way. Yeah, absolutely. These are uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. Totally. Guess what we get to talk about now? F1. <laughs> yes. I've been waiting. So,
0: I love that I was like, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> Look what just happened. So you have to tell the listeners what just happened. So over the weekend, it was the Brazil Grand Yep. I'm glad I got that right and which is kind of a weird setup it's called a sprint weekend yeah we didn't understand what that was yeah. we had to ask jason producer jace told us some things they went over my head and i was like okay that's great yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah cool <laughs> cool, cool.
0: cool cool yeah something about sprints something about qualifying <laughs> sprint something something quick recap
3: <laughs> this is what i said to georgie Livvy over the weekend <laughs>
0: I totally Because
1: listened. this is the reality. We are texting each other all weekend going, did you see this? Oh what about this? Did you see this? this? happened.
3: So the sprint weekend was brought in to make F1 a little bit more exciting and just to change the format a little bit. Did they, they do, did
1: they need to explain it though? Because it just went over the female audience head. <laughs> this female audience. <laughs> well, yeah, this female
3: audience. So they do it, I think they do it three or four times in the year okay. at different races. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brazil's been one of them for the last couple of years. And what happens is they do a practice session on the Friday. Then they do a qualifying session, which sets the sprint race grid.
1: Ah. Oh.
3: Then on the Saturday, they do a sprint race. And that then determines the grid for the actual race. So the actual race is normal. The actual race is normal, but you actually take points away from the sprint race as well. Oh. So if you come first in the sprint race, you also a certain number of points. I can't remember how many. And the sprint race is 24 laps, whereas the actual race was uh, 71.
0: I mean, I feel like it's I short explained course.
3: it with sprint something something race. <laughs> thank and you, then Jason. And then they do an, and then they do an FP2. You. Then they do a practice session again after the sprint race. And then they do the actual race on the Sunday. It's a lot of racing. That's a lot of driving. So,
0: <laughs> so the thing that I got excited about, which for those of you who are not familiar with F1 is Haas is one of the lowly teams. How many teams are there? Ten? Twelve? Ten. Ten teams in the F1, and they're usually like ninth or tenth. They're,
1: they're really down right. the bottom. They're right
0: down the bottom. The they're constructors. They're usually vying for the wooden spoon. And Gunther is the race director of Haas, and a race yeah, direct, manager. Director. Team principal. Team principal. <laughs> I like director. Thank Had you. a certain sort of, you know, suave. Yeah, anyway, he's the team principal of Haas and Kevin Magnuson from Haas got pole position for one of the races. <laughs> and I'm
1: not sure which he, one. He won the sprint race.
0: So He, he won w- the sprint race? He won the sprint race. That no, he then he got pole position for the sprint race. Oh.
3: He came first in qualifying because what happened – a really quick explainer. We're
1: going to have to cut so
3: much of <laughs> <Yeah>. this out. <laughs> it was So it was bad weather. Yes. So they all went out on soft tyres. <gasps> he set the fastest lap on the soft tyres and then it started raining. So everyone went to intermediate tyres, which are a slower tyre, obviously. It's Inters, I believe they call so them. So because he set the fastest lap on the soft tyres, no one could compete to get a faster lap time. So that's why he got pole.
1: Ah, oh. he was strategic. Gunther was strategic in... In the time in, management, and
3: organizing the rain.
1: I also love that inches. Haas got number one and number twenty, like they had, they, they the full full gamut. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea about that. I was just like, oh my god, Haas got pole position. I do you know what I loved though? Every other driver came out and was like, good on you, Kevin Magnussen. Like yeah. it was such a rarity. House and Magnuson to do that well that every driver was cheering him on in an in an ultra competitive field. Yeah, none of them felt that threatened. That they were like, we "Good did. on you,
0: well done, mate. Yeah, good job. Yeah. It's a little we'll bit get you on
1: Sunday. <laughs> yes.
0: but we'll let you have this little piece of glory." What did, what did he end up coming overall? In Ninth,
3: it? eighth. Oh, so close. Yeah. In,
1: in the in the final
0: race, which is actually quite good.
3: The, in the sprint race, he. Oh, actually, I don't know when he came in the final race. He,
1: I think he came eighth or ninth, I thought. Oh, did he? I thought that's so. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's actually really good. If Do you know came. who won the race? Mercedes. George, George Russell. George Russell, yes. In his first ever podium, Oh, first ever win of a Grand Prix. Ah. And Lewis Hamilton came second. Ooh. I feel really
0: sorry for George Russell at the moment because he's got a, I mean, he's earning lots of money. He's fine. I mean, it's not genuine sadness, but <laughs> apparently he has this nickname now, which is like. King of the
1: Saturday. Oh, because he qualifies he, really well. And then and just, never does well. <laughs> he chokes.
0: Yes, which is all so heartbreaking.
1: He'll, go, he'll be fine. Uh, he'll be fine. Toto wasn't there to see Mercedes Come take 1-2. On. Come on,
0: Toto. I, I feel actually, like he's really dropping the ball. I
1: feel like that's a flex. That's him saying, you got this, guys. You reckon? I trust you. Mm. Go win a Grand Prix without me. 1-2, baby. I think it's like a sign that he's... What happened to Verstappen? Uh, he came seventh or eighth. He got hit. Didn't no, he? but do you know what he did? He blocked his own team driver, he Checo. Checo. Yep, from getting through. Ah, oh, a hole. Even Christian Horner came out and said, "This is not how Red Bull will be performing in future." Good, but also, and Max came back and said, "I have explained why I made that decision, and Red Bull understands." Because I guess when you're
0: He's the number one driver.
1: The number one driver, the hottest property in town. You can do what you want. Your team principal director can say, hey, mate, that wasn't good. And he can say, fine, but I'll do whatever I want because I'm number one.
0: And if you want to keep me, that's what I'm just going to it's keep doing. It's
1: really gross. It, it, it does, does become gross. It's quite foul.
0: Random <laughs> thing. Can we start calling Christian Horner Mr. Halliwell? Can that be his It's quite nickname? progressive. I like it. I feel like
1: I feel like if the listeners
0: can follow that train of thought, let's go for it. (laughs) He's married to Ginger Spice,
3: Jerry Halliwell, which we love. Yes. Just a heads up. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Any new listener that comes to this podcast and has never listened before is going to go, who are they talking about? Who is
0: Mr. Halliwell?
3: (laughs) It's a good point. (laughs) These conversations should be had off air, I think. (laughs) (laughs) no.
0: All of the listeners in favour <laughs> of me calling him Mr. Halliwell, say I. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> oh, Libby. So I feel like they agree. That was
1: such a mum joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good though, right?
1: <laughs> it was good.
0: Um, are We have two recommendations. I, I think I've got a know cr- yeah,
1: No, you're busting. Go. I
0: am busting. So randomly flicking through Netflix, the new Crown, new season of
1: The Crown. Oh, yeah, yeah I started
0: watching that. That was great. So that's what I went to watch last night. It was, I think I'm up to episode three. It's very good. However, on my recommendations from Netflix, because this is how I've trained my algorithm, right at the top, FIFA Uncovered. Ooh. So FIFA is the Football International Federation. Federation Association. I don't know. Whatever that name it's is. It's the
1: soccer. It's the peak body for soccer, Correct. what we call soccer in Australia. Yes, exactly. So
0: I think everybody just has a general vibe that FIFA is super corrupt. A Bit dodgy. <laughs> I think everyone just kind of knows that mm. in their the cells of their body, and I am definitely the same, but I started watching this documentary, and it, I'm only one and a half episodes in, but the amount of corruption in this organization astonished even me, even just one and a half episodes in. It's oh,
1: so hang on. It's not a, like a, a one-hour documentary. It's like a part no, series.
0: Yeah. I don't know how many episodes, but I'm – there's more than one episode. It's an early recommendation. So, it, again – You're going out early. I recommended Human Playground after one episode, and that was not a good idea. Okay. But you back this. I really back this. Okay. It's timely because the FIFA World Cup is coming up in Qatar. Correct. So. Where We'll be talking to Craig Foster in an upcoming episode as well. So – it's stunning. It's, just, it's stunning the way that sports and politics intersect and the amazing power that gives to certain people. The most fascinating part of what I've watched so far is that Sepp Blatter, who was the FIFA president for many, many years and arguably one of the most corrupt is a part of the documentary, speaking to the documentary, even though he's coming across, in my opinion, not looking super well. Wow. <laughs> yes. So I, I'm fasc- a level of arrogance attached to that. Well, that's isn't what it? I'm so fascinated about. Like, does he genuinely think that he didn't do anything wrong? Yes. Or does he just not care? Oh, probably both, actually. Yeah. It's fascinating. Anyway, highly recommend. Uh, FIFA Uncovered on Netflix.
1: Good one. Yeah, I highly recommend going and listening to a Chat Ten Looks Three episode. Chat Ten Looks Three is Annabelle Crab and Lee Sales just great. having a bit of a chat about life and stuff. Love them, and they did a great live show over in not Perth but over in WA and <laughs> Luke that side over that side. Of the over country. That side of, apologies, WA. And their main guest for that live show was Luke Longley. Oh, amazing. And it's just the most fascinating chat. They talk about the Michael Jordan oh, series, the Last Dance, yes. The Last Dance, which Libby, One of and my I, Libby and I have different opinions on. <laughs> and for me, what really lacked in Last Dance was that element of team, yes. which I found quite disturbing really. And Luke Longley was pretty much excluded from that documentary to p- yeah, despite that being a key player mm. for the Chicago Bulls over that time period. And what came out um, subsequent to that documentary was a two-part Australian story, which I'd also recommend going and watching. And it and it, it even shows Luke Longley watching The Last Dance and realising that he's not in it <laughs> and the awkwardness of that like, within ow. his family unit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's in really interesting talk, he- hearing him talk about how he perceived the team and what um, Phil Jackson, the coach, how important he was and the last, the, the lasting legacy that has had for him and how he then approaches. In a positive way? It's uh, Yeah, beautifully. Okay. So he now works with basketball players in Australia and he said that one of his jobs is just to pump their tyres up.
0: Oh, amazing. It's just to
1: make them feel like they can do it. They can be great basketball players and – they can believe in themselves. Sort of, again, I've raised it. I've I talked about Matt Hayden a bit in this episode, but kind of like what Matt Hayden has done for the Pakistan cricket team. And what we will do for the Wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's just lovely to hear him talk about how he left the sport and how he was left feeling and now how he continues to contribute to that sport. I love it. I'm going to go listen straight away.
0: Great. Right. Well, Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to see a bit more about sport and highlights and things, check us out on Instagram at the Sports Social Podcast. Georgie, what can you see there?
1: We will find some little stories that are going on in sport throughout the week. We usually throw them up on our stories. It could be random videos of, you know, kids hitting a ball. It could be the dude running in different ways. The dude
0: that runs in different ways behind the scenes content of course and we are hoping to share a bit more community stories so if you have a story about your kid or you've just joined a community team let us know about it we'd love to talk to you we'd love to talk about it yes exactly we had the Sydney Cycling Sisters on a few weeks ago and we just absolutely love that stuff so let us know and yeah if you do like what you hear Please rate and review us that really helps us kind of get noticed in the podcast world which can be quite noisy at times so thank you for doing that if you already have um, and you better do it if you haven't
1: <laughs> we're gonna go now
0: we love you anyway
1: bye okay bye have a great week <laughs> oh dear oh dear